Welcome to Pals Talks Literacy, a podcast created for Project Adult Literacy Society. In this podcast, we talk about literacy in all of its forms and the impact it has on people's lives. Today, we're talking to Hannah about social and emotional literacy. My name is Hannah Brunsden, and I have a master's in social work specializing in international and community development. I, ha- I hold a Bachelor of Arts from the University of Alberta in women's and gender studies with a minor in drama. I am a registered social worker in the province of Alberta. I currently work as a mental health capacity builder for Strathcona County uh, Family and Community Services. So my job is really to go into junior high classrooms and I teach students about mental health and topics related to mental health. I try to increase the students and the teachers mental health literacy and understanding of what is mental health, how do their emotions impact their lives and their decisions and the situations that they're in, and then really focusing on increasing their skills and being able to understand how they're feeling and then what they can do when they feel a strong emotion to be able to regulate their emotions better because humans are not very good at that. So that's my work, but then I am so much more than just a person who works. I am really good at sleeping. I am also a Quidditch player. I am a musical theater enthusiast. I watch too much Netflix. I hang out with my dog. I am a recent new homeowner. And someday I will do an open mic for stand-up comedy. And I love chocolate because it's delicious. I think that's me. I I enjoyed all of the detail. I'm so excited to chat with you about literacy today because people often think of literacy in terms of just like reading and writing. But a a lot of the things that I spend my time thinking about is emotional literacy and also physical literacy and in, in different ways. I spend a lot of my time thinking about emotional literacy because my entire job is trying to increase the understanding in young people of their emotions because everyone knows when they feel something but it can be very very challenging for people who aren't taught this is the name for what you're feeling and then when it comes to emotional literacy also what can you do with that feeling and how can you get to a point like you're feeling very escalate like if you're very upset or very stressed or very anxious or scared how can you know that you're feeling that way and then what can you do to bring yourself back down and calm yourself down so a lot of my work is in increasing emotional literacy in young teenagers I have always thought that I'm a very like I'm a very emotionally literate person like I'm uh, emotionally intelligent or whatever like I know how I'm feeling and I know what to do and all of that but it's been very interesting knowing how you're feeling and being able to like name those things but then also knowing what to do about those things and then how to proceed through those things. And so what I mean by that is I can say, oh, that, that interaction made me feel really uncomfortable. And so I'm able to understand how I'm feeling, but because I have been like socialized as a, as a young woman, my entire life, I have never had the ability to be able to, when I'm in that interaction, set a boundary or be able to communicate 
my needs or my discomfort with that interaction to be able to like set that boundary. And so that's something I think that's been really interesting is trying to teach kiddos who are like 10 years old about you need to recognize how you're feeling and you need to communicate that with other, like you need to be able to understand what you're feeling and then be able to communicate it out and then also recognize your needs and be able to tell others like what your needs are. And I start looking around and noticing that there are so many adults in my life and really everyone who this is something that we struggle with all the time because we were so focused on being taught reading and writing and math and science. And those things are all really important because those build the foundation for our, for our critical thinking skills and, and our like common knowledge, but also thinking through the fact that like no one, like no one sat down and taught me. Well, I mean, my parents did a lot of this work and stuff, but there was no formal, like when you feel sad, it's okay to feel sad. These are some things that can happen. These are some things that you can do to take care of yourself when you're feeling that way. And like, when, if someone else is bothering you, like I was still, I was in the age and I think this is still being taught, but like, if a boy is bothering you or teasing you, he probably likes you. And I was, but it makes me upset. It makes me uncomfortable. And so being able to get to that stage where you're able to recognize that, but like, there was no teacher that was like, you can tell him to stop. And if he doesn't stop, then you escalate that. Right. Cause I think for me, literacy is really about communication, right. Being able to take in information understand and then communicate it out. And so being able to take in information or understand information about how you're feeling and then being able to communicate to others how you're feeling or how their actions are making you feel like that's something that we really struggle with. And I think too, it's interesting to think about the way that COVID has impacted that because also social literacy has changed so much. The socialization, like, like it's, it's really interesting to watch because it's really a struggle to be able to watch them like try to communicate with each other. And so that social literacy is really tough. And same with adults, because like, we don't know how to interact with each other anymore. Like it's weird. I was just going to say as adults, we grew up where we were always in groups of people. We were always close together. It was almost taught in a way for me, at least, you know, when you know people, you go up and you hug them or you can put your arm around them or whatever. But now after two and a half, three years, I don't even know how long it's been now where you're supposed to be six feet apart and you're supposed to be wearing your mask. You're just being more conscious of things. I look at those and I think, Oh, like, hi. Um, no, I don't want to shake your hand or, uh, we went to a gathering and we all kind of were in a room and everyone was vaccinated, but we literally didn't know how to talk to strangers anymore. And everyone had this moment together. And it was in a way kind of really cool because we all noticed it at the same time. Mm -hmm. But we also were like, we don't know how to interact anymore. Hi, my name is Erin. I am acting like a five-year-old because I don't know what we're supposed to do anymore. And I think it's really interesting while you were talking about all those things, I'm like, yeah. And then there's like the trauma portion of that, that comes in as well, where I deal with more adults right now. And so the adults that I deal with come from many different countries. They come from many different situations. And sometimes there's, you can tell that there was a trauma 
mm-hmm. how they interact is different and how they function and process their emotions is different because of what happened. Absolutely. Well, and that's a huge, a huge piece because like when we think about any kind of literacy, reading and writing, we always think about it in terms of the standard or this is how you teach a kid to read. But then as soon as you layer on like a learning disability, of course, those things are going to impact that. And then it's the same with emotional literacy, but trauma, a huge thing that impacts people, right? It impacts the way that you feel in your body, which is going to impact how you're going to feel your emotions. And again, with that like social literacy as well, because we're just starting to learn about how to recognize how experiences impact other people and how these like traumatic events can really impact people. It really changes the way that we think about like, how how does that inform our ability to socialize with people when recognizing that everyone has different needs and everyone has different experiences and then add on COVID on top of that it's just like it keeps it very interesting (laughs) yeah with COVID it's interesting to watch people sort of as we're loosening a a lot of the restrictions and all of that and some people are wearing masks and some people aren't and at our work we want you to still wear a mask when you're in the office and so they'll come in and then they go oh yeah my mask and like they're pretty good about it that's not a big Mm -hmm. issue but it's interesting to see how different people react to those things. Like I was watching a group of people, someone was taking a picture. And so the individual that was in the picture took down their mask and someone else came running over to like photobomb, which previous to COVID would have just been a funny joke, right? But because they had taken down their mask, the uncomfort level or the level of uncomfort Mm -hmm. was visible Mm -hmm. because the other person wasn't wearing a mask and they'd just taken theirs off. And the person who ran into photobomb didn't notice. And it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, you have to pay attention. I have young kids and I'm like, can you see how this is happening? And they sometimes they just don't because they're not old enough. They're not looking for those things. They haven't had the experience, but it doesn't matter how old you are. No one has been through something like COVID before. And so everyone's responding in a different way or in their own way, but not always watching how everyone else is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. And that's, I think that's a huge piece of like that social emotional literacy is because it is a skill to be able to notice and recognize how someone else is feeling and then being able to adapt your behavior to that. And so what's funny is that's not something that is taught. It's related to sociocultural context, but that ability to be able to read people is something that we just take for granted. It's actually funny. I've been having a lot of conversations with teachers and with also my supervisor and stuff. Um, And a lot of the teachers and and people um, that I know have kids who are like around the junior high age as well. And one of my friends always says like, they just don't, they don't know how to read body language and they don't know how to give it either because it's just not in their faces where they're like, oh, I have to say sorry. But then they forget that their face has to look sorry. (laughs) It's just that awareness and that self-awareness that sometimes it, it develops eventually. 
but it's again, one of those skills that we just assume that people will get. And so we focus so much on learning how to read and write and understand scientific concepts and understand mathematical concepts, which again, all really important. But I think a lot of these social skills that we just assume people will pick up, it would actually be helpful, I think, for a lot of people to have more explicit conversations and learning about how to interact with people because it's, it's a skill and it's hard. Do you think that we've lost some of those like ability to read? Like, yes, I'd say like some people are socially maybe a little bit more awkward because they're not sure how they're supposed to interact in the say restrictions or whether the other person is still wanting to be in restrictions or whatever. But that ability to read body language comes with practice. And we've now not been around as many people. We have isolated ourselves. We've been in lockdown. You only see certain people. And do you think that that's affected? And I would venture to say not just youth, but like everyone. Everyone. I would say, I like how you mentioned that it's a skill because I was going to say, I don't think that we've lost it because I think we can find it. I think it's just like, Over COVID, a lot of people took a pause on going to the gym. So those muscles have to be built back up. And so too, do our skills and muscles of being able to read people and read different kinds of people um, and different personalities and be able to read a room. Like those are all things that I think because we've spent so much time again with, with just a handful of people that it's something that you need to like build back up again. And I think like, I think it'll absolutely come back. It's something that I, I haven't heard people talk about. I've heard people talk about like, it's going to be so weird now that we're back and, and people are getting used to this stuff. And I've heard people talk a little bit about how we need to be very trauma informed when we go back into these spaces and be aware of how this has impacted people and be aware of people's level of comfort and stuff like that. But I don't think I've heard a lot of conversations about do you want to do you want to practice reading body language again like how how do we and how do you tell adults so we're going to come back to work and then we're going to have a conversation about how to read body language and how to do that and it's just something that we're just out of practice of and unfortunately when it comes to that there's no like tutor that you can have it's just stumbling your way through And just being really good at the art of a heartfelt apology and promising to make all the mistakes and then going back. But that's another thing that we're out of practice with as well is because when you don't see people, you don't make as many mistakes. You don't have to apologize. It's like coming back to school after summer, right? You're like, you don't remember anything. And so they have, our teachers have to review, like we're coming back from a long summer vacation and we have to review some of the things that we learned. I kind of look at the whole thing and think, oh man, there are some things that I think we've completely gained and learned so much about and been able to see positively from the pandemic. And I also see how that's not always true for everyone, Mm -hmm. especially where I'm working right now at PALS and when we're working with people who maybe didn't have some of the digital advantages that I had being able to use the skills that I had to be able to still interact. And it's virtually, there are advantages that we've had through COVID, but some of the disadvantages, I always thought it was kind of strange when they're like, kids aren't learning as much because the teachers are wearing a mask. And I was like, they can still hear them. But what they were talking about 
is what we're talking about today is reading those social cues, reading faces, understanding like the emotion behind some of the things. And like, not that you're necessarily like super passionate about, I don't know, the letter A or whatever you're teaching that day at whatever level you're teaching, but having that facial expression is another way that you start building those skills and learning those skills. I'm not saying I think people should stop wearing masks because I'm definitely a mask wearer, but I hadn't thought about that until we're talking about it here today, you know? Well, it's so interesting too, where you don't expect that that would be like, it sounds like just another excuse where they shouldn't have to wear masks because then the kids aren't going to learn and they're fine. They're actually fine. They can do this. It's going to be fine. But it's true because I think it's interesting to just learn about how many things go into the learning experience when it comes to like formal education places where like you expect kids to learn because kids learn everywhere. And so do adults, surprise. When it comes to schooling, it is something that they're missing. Although this reminds me of a conversation that I was having with my friend's mother-in-law and she's a doctor. And she was saying that she's so intrigued by the fact that she's been working with some babies and she wears a mask. But when normally you would look at the baby and like, and like smile at the baby and the baby would smile back. Cause that's a stage of development when they can recognize a smile and mirror that, but wearing a mask, they can't see that I'm smiling. They're able, like, she was like, babies are like this. It's so interesting to see that she's like, I wouldn't have thought, but they're picking up on the other cues of my eyes of like the sound that I'm making of the touch. And they're able to smile back at me, even though they can't see that I'm smiling. So it's really interesting. fascinating that like and again this wasn't in a study this is like anecdotal like this is just something that she's noticed but I took a course once in nonverbal communication I remember my teacher being like it's not just a body language course like it's not like stop saying body language it is about nonverbal communication so it's everything that you're saying except for the words like it's everything but the words that you're saying and so it's tone it's the eye contact, it is how your body is being held, the loudness of your voice. And it was just so interesting to think about, yes, there is a piece missing because there's also students who forget, like have been wearing masks for so long that they, now that they don't have to wear them and they, and they don't wear them in class, they don't realize that I can see their face uh, when I say things and then they make a face and I'm like, Hey, bud, I can see it. I can see it on your face. That's a skill that we're going to have to work back up to is like, like keeping that poker face when someone's telling you something that you don't want to do. And then you have to act like you still want to do it and don't make a face of absolutely not face when you're like, "Mm, you forget that I can see your face. There's so much more information that's coming, but also it is a piece of being able to see people face to be able to continue on with that skill of being able to read people's faces. Well, and I'm glad that you said that you took like the nonverbal course because it hasn't completely gone away. And there's definitely people who still read things. And I actually remember when we first started going back to the school with kids and I had a mask on and I was like, can you tell if I'm smiling? It's really important to me that people can see when I'm smiling. And they're like, Erin, we always know you're smiling. (laughs) I'm like, well, not always, but you know, it's very important to me that people know that I'm listening and I'm, yeah. And so it was interesting because I actually did have conversations with people with masks on right at the beginning where we'd both be like, at that point we were like 
like measuring between us still because it was very beginning and yeah. saying, okay, what can you see? Like, mm-hmm. can you tell that I'm surprised. Can you tell that I'm being supportive? Can you, and we'd have that facial yeah. expression marathon or mm-hmm. interaction and just see like, what does it look like I'm trying to express with my face right now, even though you can't see all of it. And yeah. so it's interesting because yeah, there's the skill and yes, they're definitely the poker face. That's one that I'm going to have to probably work on some days. Um, Bryce, that's like a, <laughs> a part of why it's not the biggest part of why I still wear a mask, but it is a part because I'm like that poker face ability is gone. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> making all these faces behind my mask just like <laughs> <laughs> I think in some senses too because of COVID and because it was not was is still it was so overwhelming there was so much to take in there was a lot of information there was a lot of stress and fear and sometimes anger and sometimes like you're worried and it it depended on where you were in your life and who you were around and where you lived and all of this stuff. There were so many factors and it was so different for every single person, but everyone went through this overwhelming stage. And so of course, everyone kind of lost their poker faces. The importance of conversations like this, where you're saying there's definitely this whole section of literacy that isn't reading, it isn't writing, it isn't numbers or math, and it Mm -hmm. isn't digital skills. This is emotions. This is reading people's faces. This is being part of a society. And again, sort of thinking about the adults that I have the pleasure of working with, I kind of am curious if like a course, and I know that that's the wrong thing to do because no one wants to take an extra class, but something where you could get kind of like the social norms of Mm -hmm. new society when you come to a new culture, or if you're going to go to a new culture, what are some of the norms that you could do? And I don't know how you do it because it would depend on a whole bunch of other things but it would be interesting to know because even the idea of some cultures if you go to a culture and you hug that's great and everybody's okay with that and you do the kiss on each cheek and that's normal and fine but some cultures that is not okay you don't touch people you Mm -hmm. don't know and you don't know Mm -hmm. so that idea of having a social Mm -hmm. I don't know courses again the wrong word but a social skill that goes yeah. with the culture would be very fascinating well and then it gets a little bit tricky too because even like one thing I've been thinking about more recently is some people talking about like overcoming shyness or getting those social skills to be able to like talk to other people and a lot of times this is put in context with people who are very shy or people who may have what we would deem as like inappropriate social skills but really oftentimes those things are just telling people one way to be that would be appropriate right it's like okay you need to be more extroverted you need to interact with people like this you need to be able to um look people in the eye and ask people questions about themselves and all of these things are like things that we like right these are things that make people feel good but it's also interesting to be like okay, how much, when we, when we're looking at social literacy, how much is okay, we're creating this idea of like, what is good social skills and what is bad social skills. And again, 
there are good and bad social skills. Stabbing people, bad social skill. Smiling at people, good social skill. But how much are we then creating this idea of an ideal way to be in the world, which like erases some difference too, which is interesting yeah. because we don't have that. I can't think of a way that we would have that within a different kind of literacy because in like reading and writing and math and science and digital literacy and things like that, it's about like gaining a skill set that is a little bit more objective. Like you either can read or you can't, right? Yeah. Whereas if you can interact with people, but it's not the normal way that you interact with people, or if you feel things, but you have a harder time controlling your emotions, then we're putting expectations. So that's also another like interesting to fall down where it's like, oh, then like, where is the point where we need to be equipping our community members with the skills that they may want and desire to be able to be connected into community because we know that So this would be my educational bias because I studied community development, but like being in community is one of the number one key factors for reporting like a healthy and happy life, right? The more connected, the better we feel, but you do need to have some of those skills able to connect with people in a way that we make friends. There's like certain ways that there are skills that that work but then also I think about people like in the autistic community who have really created a resistance to this idea that like oftentimes when people are taught these social skills they're taught and forced to look people in the eye when that's incredibly uncomfortable and painful for them or people who are more shy it's like you should be more extroverted I've seen great memes on Facebook that are like you would never hear someone tell an extroverted person have you tried to be quiet have you just like tried not talking to people and just going and reading a book? And I'm like, oh, that's such an interesting perspective. Like, where is it when we're teaching people these skills? When are we crossing a line and yeah, tell change who they are? That's an interesting thing that comes up for me when I think about where is the line between these things that are more subjective? We know when people are struggling with social skills, but then what does like being socially literate mean because I think it's also something that we're always trying to increase we don't have levels for sure but I agree with you that we shouldn't be making people feel uncomfortable and in a way we've come such a long way with or at least I hope that we've come such a long way with accepting people the way they are and learning really learning ourselves where people are at and meeting people where they're at and not trying to especially coming from like an education point of view, like if they're not comfortable looking you in the eye, then you just learn that. Or you ask, are you not comfortable looking me in the eye? Okay. Then I just need to know that so that I'm not trying to force you to do it. Right. So I think becoming socially literate though, that's what you need, right? Like you need to know which questions to ask or to look for Mm -hmm. and then respect that not everyone's going to interact and want to be like you. And I think we see that all the time where people just assume because I'm this way, you should follow and be like this. But as a society, we need to go really, we really need to focus on saying, I am like this. How can I interact with you to where you're comfortable? You're so right. A true social literacy or emotional literacy or interpersonal literacy would be 
being flexible and being able to recognize who you are and then understand and meet people where they're at as well. So smart. If we're looking to teach social or emotional literacy, do you have any suggestions as to how we could do that? I would say with my background and passion for theater, my experience with theater and drama really inform all the work that I'm doing because having like most of the learning that I've done about emotions and understanding how I feel, I feel like it was very hard for me as a young person and I assume lots of people to really understand how am I feeling and how do I communicate that? It's a lot easier to get to the point where you can recognize, and it feels safer too, maybe that's why it's easier, to explore how a character's feeling and how mm -hmm. they communicate that. And that's really been a great way for me to come into understanding how I'm feeling and how I can express that to others. Because having that foundation, I really did receive like an emotional literacy education and a social literacy education because of the theater training that you received, because everything that you're learning is, how is your character feeling? How does that impact the body? How do you communicate how you're feeling with the audience, with words and without words? How are you, how are you interacting with this person? What does this character want? How are they trying to get it? Like all of these things are really useful skills in your own life when you just take away the fact that it's no longer a character, it's just you. I think that was probably one of the best ways that I got to learn and practice and why I think it's so important that whenever I'm working with students, what I like to do is try to bring in some of that stuff and, and why I get to be part of drama classes now, which is my favorite part of the week, where I get to be like, you know, this really, this, this really connects for me when it comes to thinking about mental health and thinking about theater because everything that you do when you're learning how to be on stage, put aside the fact that you're also learning like self-confidence and like public speaking and being able to get up in front of people and being vulnerable and like building community and, and building trust, like put away all of those wonderful things. Even if that wasn't there, you're learning about how do I express an emotion how do I feel that in my body? Because when you're like a good actor, you're taught immediately. You can't just act. You're feeling what the character's feeling. So, yeah. so what does that feel like? So then you have to, you're learning the skills of reflection and self-reflection. Like all of these things that I just thought was like fun because then I could be on stage with my friends. Like I'm like, thank goodness I got to do that because then of course it makes sense that I enjoyed that and then would enjoy teaching students about mental health because it has everything to do with it. I think that that is one way that I was really able to increase that literacy was like practicing and practicing and practicing, feeling something and showing it in my body and communicating it out to an audience. And then getting in front of people and having to talk to people about how my character was feeling and, and what my character's thoughts were. Once you do that, you become a better communicator and you become better at recognizing your emotions. You're doing all of that like socializing and you have a built-in community that you're building and then that increases your connection and all that good serotonin stuff. I think that, that was such a key part of being able to learn and understand and practice because I mean you can practice those skills of like emotional literacy and, and of like social literacy but when you're in school you can like read and write and write the test um, on, and see if you remember those math numbers and that's like a safe environment to practice but you don't really have that safe environment to practice those skills because every time you feel something, 
it's your real life. And it's, it's like high stakes. I always tell the students, like, remember when you were like in kindergarten and you and your friend, like got into a fight over a crayon and you're not friends with that person, like to this day. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, that was super high stakes. It was like friendship over. So that's high state. Like you don't have a safe place to practice conflict or to practice emotions. It's always your life and it's going to impact your life. Whereas on stage, that's where you get that safe place to practice and do that test and try it. Hannah, thank you so much for all of your words and thoughts and allowing us to have this conversation about the importance of how our faces and our bodies and all of the other parts of us besides our words speak for us. This podcast was recorded on Treaty 6 territory. We respect the First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and all of the First Peoples of Canada, whose presence continues to enrich our community.